0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Teller County Podcast for April 21st, 2020. Today, we're joined by Dr. Ann Rush with Status Code 4, and also Dr. Kathy Friel from Dragonfly Retreats and Veteran Support. Ladies, thanks for coming by. Thanks,
1: thanks for you having us. You
0: bet. Today, we're going to be talking about cabin fever. So I think the, the best thing to do for everyone out there is to kind of explain what that is and, and how we're going to be addressing that today. Which one would like to take that?
1: I'll go ahead and start, Ian. So cabin fever is actually a term that was coined back in 1918, and it's associated with those people who have been stuck in their homes or stuck somewhere for long periods of time. A lot of people think of it as that, um, you know, crazy hermit in the mountains that when he finally comes into town in the spring after the winter thaws, a little off and everybody thinks he's gone crazy over the winter. That's part of it. But sailors... um, are accustomed to having these feelings as well, and so are astronauts um, when they're stuck up on the space station and stuff like that. So it is known as cabin fever, but nowadays we actually call it social isolation syndrome. It's a syndrome because it has so many different components to it. Um, so it's all kind of, you know, balled all up in this one big unhealthy package.
0: So there there are, obviously, uh, it's a classifiable thing, and there's some symptoms that are attached to it. And uh, I'm looking at this list of information here, and I think maybe I've experienced some of these symptoms here. I sleep quite a lot on the weekends, <laughs> but not during the week, of course. But right.
1: So um, cabin fever or social isolation syndrome has been um, identified as being caused by what's called seasonal affective disorder or SAD um, and claustrophobia, and it is when we are not uh, um, able for some reason or now allowed to get out and you know, be social with other people because we are social beings. That's, um, you know, from the dawn of time, we need to be around other people. We need that human touch affects our emotions and and everything else. So, um, you know, the most famous part people know about Cabin Fever is The Shining, which the movie with Jack Nicholson, Mm -hmm. that is absolutely the extreme. But if you look at it, um, a lot of the symptoms he had in there, which is feeling that bored and restless, feeling trapped kind of getting grumpy. Uh, You're sleeping more, you get more paranoid, and it could lead into having suicidal or homicidal ideations, which are uh, thoughts.
0: So that's, uh, that's something that we want to bring to the attention of everyone. Mm -hmm. It's something that any can affect any person doesn't matter how strong of a person you are doesn't matter what correct income class you come from. It's a level, like a level playing field, and it can affect everybody. It is in these ways.
1: Good that you brought that up. So some of the mental and emotional parts that people probably should be aware of where it comes to noticing some different things that might be happening, people that isolate and uh, become very, very lonely. And when you're lonely, you're less likely to deal with stress in a positive way. Chronic isolation, which chronic is anything that lasts um, more than six months. Acute is anything that's, that's under six months. And when you get into that chronic isolation and you're not dealing with things, then you start having very irrational decisions. Um, again, I'm looking back to the shining <laughs> for all of the irrational decisions um, that he made throughout the entire movie. But um, when you start having those irrational decisions and stuff like that, it absolutely can start leading into hallucinations where, you know, you're seeing things or hearing things that most people are. Are not seeing or hearing, but you in your brain uh, believe that it's still very, very real.
0: And it can be very real to these people, I'm sure. I mean, it can be absolutely real. So, how do? What kind of advice would you give to someone who's starting to experience these things? And how do you take notice and be self-aware in that moment? And what do you do?
1: You should start noticing that things are happening before it gets to that extreme. Heart. Um, you need to eat well. You know, try to get outside. You know, goodness, vitamin D. We we have to keep all of our, for lack of a better way to put it, our brain chemicals in order. Dopamine, that's your pleasure, but when your dopamine is depleted, it also can affect your kidney. And things like that. Um, Serotonin, you know, that's all about your mood. And vitamin D and melatonin, like I said, sleep habits and things like that. Because you really don't want to get to a point where down the road, this could actually cause agoraphobia, which is that fear of going outside.
0: Yeah, that's what I worry about, that this is going to change us forever correct. You know, in some way.
1: correct. Now, up here in Teller County, we're a little bit <laughs> more used to having to stay in our houses for a little bit with some of the snowstorms we get and stuff like that. But it's even a fear that I have that I work from home. And when I'm in the house for more than a few days at a time, um, I do find it difficult to, to get out and try to be more social with, with people again.
0: I, just, for, just from personal experience real quick, uh, I also work from home quite a bit and then I don't work from the office as much as I used to because of the social distancing and things like that. And I found that like if you just go out and take a walk or if you take your family unit to a park, obey all the rules, people. We're not saying go out and break all the governor's stay-at-home orders. I'm not going to endorse any of that stuff. But to get outside and have the sun shine on you and just to be in the open air, it just – I don't know it it does it seems like it helps a lot and and i thirst for that at some points in the day too
1: correct Mm -hmm. yes it absolutely does yep so you know and a change of scenery um you know that that has a huge factor in all of this as well um get out and don't just go into your backyard yes my entire yard is almost completely raked for the second time now but (laughs) get out we uh, especially up here we're very spoiled we have a lot of amazing places up here to just go and you can you know be apart from each other um you know my daughter and i had actually talked about going fishing this weekend here at lake manitou you know we can sit not on opposite sides of the lake but you know we can still do those kinds of things
0: yeah just be smart about it correct right right We, we know that you know six feet and in is probably not a good place to be with right. a, around another, a lot of people, but exactly, you still can go out and enjoy some things in Teller County. You can still Correct. go to the walking trails Correct. as long as you, uh, you know, do the social distancing. And uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff that you still can do. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is, is if you don't, you don't want to get to a point in this kind of cabin fever or depression sort of that you don't, you don't have the energy or strength to do that.
1: Correct. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm a big proponent of. We have so many amazing restaurants around um, in Teller County. You know, Victor still has three of their restaurants open. Even Cripple Creek, we have three of the restaurants that are attached to the casinos that are open and, you know, grab a picnic lunch and take your family and go up to Mueller for an afternoon or something or even go out to 11 Mile for, you know, a couple of hours or whatever See and go kayaking. Different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, it change of scenery. And
2: then going on to just talking about getting out and, and moving and exercising and that kind of thing, as little as a 30-minute brisk walk can actually get your body to start producing serotonin, which you're talking about with mm. uh, depleting and affecting moods. I didn't know moods. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also reduces the cortisol in our system. So if we're feeling stressed and have anxiety and that kind of thing, having those types of activities, again, just a brisk
1: walk, it doesn't have to be anything extreme, will actually do the body good. And all these chemicals that we keep talking about, when they are depleted, they can affect our immune system.
0: Oh, oh, which is where huge. everybody
1: is is scared right now because that's what this virus is attacking is our immune system. Um, you know, if you have a depleted immune system, so you got to stay healthy through all of this stuff. Plus, you know, depleted immune systems also can cause so many other life changing diseases, including cancers and things like that it can lead to chronic stress, which leads to cancer and blah, blah, blah.
0: I want to get to um, this can affect an individual. But sometimes it can affect an individual so much that they actually can affect other people in the household and things. So we see things like uh, increased domestic violence situations, things like that.
1: Correct. Child abuse, animal abuse, um, a lot of that stuff does increase because you start feeling that trapped. And the only way that you know how to have any type of control is when you're afraid and you have no control or you feel like you have no control, you're going to lash out. Um, That's just the nature of the beast. So yes, if you start feeling that way, please just step outside, you know, go sit on the front porch for a little while or go sit out back for a little bit. Try to collect yourself, calm down, take a few deep breaths, you know, try to to think of something positive about that person or that situation or, or whatever. Ask for help. Please ask for help. There are so many organizations and groups out there that you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they will help you through it, even if it's just to help calm you down um, at that point. it's you know, There's special ones just for veterans. There's special ones just for first responders. There's such an amazing array of opportunities out there for people to reach out if they um, are willing to do so. So please, please reach out.
0: And I want to get to that because I want to know exactly what that looks like. But first, I want to ask you guys, because I know that Around mental health there's some some stigma sometimes
2: absolutely um, would mm-hmm.
0: you say that if somebody's feeling these kinds of things and these things are they're noticing that themselves doing these sorts of things wouldn't you, would you say that it would be accurate to say that uh, this is a normal reaction to an abnormal situation
2: yes. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Mhm. And I would say that your um, the family members around the individual that's affected by this the most will notice it probably first before the individual does. And it, and it's unfortunately it's when the family members or roommates or whatever bring it up to that individual that their first inkling is to lash out and to disagree with them to be defensive to be defensive and that's actually a part of the illness is to deny um that there's something wrong with them or and i shouldn't say something wrong with them they're just uh not their their coping skills are being challenged at the time and in order to you know get that control back to a sense where they feel like they have some control sometimes that's at the expense of those that are closest to them
0: yeah, and I think there's a lot of information out there. Of course, you you all are experts in this field, but I've learned through just my law enforcement career that people act differently under stress than they ever normally would. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, because it's the, it's the lack of feeling of control. Correct. Yeah. Fear of the unknown. Right. And we have a lot
1: of that right now. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's something, it's weird too, because it's something you cannot see. Correct. Usually sometimes you can deal with the, uh, you know, A mountain lion near you on a trail. You can deal with that, you know, but this is something you can't see at all.
2: Or the thoughts that maybe you should be able to deal with it. And now you can't. That tends to um, have a stronger impact. Um, you know, we see that with the the military and the war zones and the first responders and the front line of duties. And you feel like, well, I should be able to deal with this because everyone else is. And you think that everyone else is, but maybe they're feeling the exact same way. And so you start internalizing and thinking something's wrong with you. And then that can take on a life of itself.
0: So, Anne, you deal with, like you said, a lot of first responders and and also veterans. Is that correct?
2: I deal mostly. Well, I'm I am a veteran, so I kind of understand that. Sure. Kathy's actually the veteran expert here um, with the with those particular things. But yes, we do with the first responders. So, PTSD. Mm-hmm.
0: How does that how does that figure into this? Can someone get PTSD from this this uh, pandemic? And, Absolutely.
2: I, mean, I think that having that fear, just the thought of having the virus, can be traumatic for individuals. And um, sometimes, uh, you, you know, you have that as a starting point. You're already stressed out. Your immune system's already vulnerable. Uh, and when when you have a um, just a, a breakdown in trying to be able to deal with life, and then you have a fear of a potential virus that could be um, lethal, you may be exposed to. Um, uh, experiences where you have no control over someone's life, but you feel like you do, when we see with the first responders, that can um, take a life on it in and of itself. And usually with first responders, what we see though is it's more of um, just uh, uh, going on a bunch of different calls and they're compounding on each other and not being able to um, adequately process them. the individual. And so now you're adding on the COVID virus and and we're seeing where um, now you've got individuals that are scared to go home because they're scared of bringing that element into it. So that adds on another layer of stress. And so um, having individuals work through that, and let's say you are a responder and you bring that home to your family, are you going to be able to um, process it okay? Are you going to be acceptable in that, or is that going to now become the new stress that you have that you take with you? So all of those things, it's all about how we process the situation and and learn about how to go through it and realize it's just, this is what it is, what do I have control over, what do I, what do I not have control over, is it okay for me to be stressed and concerned? And a lot of it is the normalizing, it absolutely is. You know. I would be more concerned if someone said, "Oh, this doesn't bother me at all," because probably what's happening is they could be suppressing it—not all the time, but they could be—and not even realize it.
0: Sure. So, when you say normalizing, is that what you're talking about when people say, "Oh, this is the new normal," and this is normal to me now? Or how, what?
2: when I talk about normalizing, I'm—I'm really—it's—it's—it's it's, it's saying it's okay to not feel okay right now. Okay. It's—it's it's perfectly okay to be scared. It's it's an ugly virus that's going on. It's at the pandemic level, um, and and that's okay. And to tell yourself, you know what, I am a little concerned about it, but what can I do about it um, to help some alleviate some of the fear and that kind of thing? A lot oftentimes we we beat ourselves up because we think that it's not okay for us to feel um, bad about the situation, right? Kathy? And feel vulnerable. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yep, absolutely.
0: I learned that lesson when I, I I have PTSD from an incident long time ago. Back then, I remember feeling like. Why is this bothering me? It makes me angry that this is bothering me. And then I'm already bothered. And then the anger on top of that, it's like monkeys jumping on your back. Absolutely.
1: So you brought up a point about this being our new normal. And I hope people aren't feeling that way, because if this is our new normal, we're in big, big trouble. Um, Things are going to go back to the way they were. And one of the things that I try to teach um, all of my people is keep your routine Keep a routine. Try to still get up in the morning at the same time. Try to eat at the same time. Try to go to bed at the same time at night. You know, don't be getting up two hours late in the morning because you're, you know, up four hours late at night binge watching, you know, Dexter or something. So um,
0: have you been watching what's going on at my house? Because we're binge watching <laughs> my wife and I. Keep,
1: <laughs> your, keep your routine um, because, you know, someday here in the very near future, Um, That alarm clock is going to go off and you're going to have to get up and get in the shower and get in your car and drive to work. And we don't want a lot of problems with accidents and on and on and on because people are tired. So and you don't need to be cranky because, you know, you're overtired. So just try to keep your routine the best that you can. Plus, keeping your routine the same also gives you that control. You know, that is something you can
0: control. So earlier you, you talked about um, calling for help when you need it. Correct. So I'll just play dumb and say, yeah, Hey, I've never had to call for help. I'm kind of worried of what that looks like. What does that look like? When I call and I pick up the phone, who am I going to be talking to? What can I say to that person? Um, are they there to listen? Are they there to diagnose me? Are they there to judge me? What does it look like for somebody who's never done that?
1: Well, they're not there to judge. First and foremost. So when you call a hotline, a suicide hotline or a domestic violence hotline or something like that, they're going to try to help you figure out what's going on and why. Um, They're going to be there to offer support and guidance, and um, they will more than likely give you uh, people or organizations or therapists or somebody like that to reach out to um, in order that you can get some long-term help. With it, but uh, when you call the hotlines, it's normally—if I'm correct on this—and um, please stop me if I'm wrong—that they are going to triage you for the the better part of a, a easier way to say it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think that then um, that's really important to know, is because sometimes, especially if a loved one is with. the individual who may be having suicidal ideations or whatever, which you should absolutely always take serious. If someone is talking about, um, you know, life being better off without them, that's a huge red flag. Um, You know, the the numbers out there, they can certainly call 911 and explain to dispatch what's going on. We always recommend to talk to the crisis uh, hotline. I believe it's on the Teller COVID website. It is. uh, Where that individual is absolutely trained on how to deal with someone who is dealing with suicide. And they can walk you through that and it may just be that maybe they have thoughts of suicide or it could be that they're no kidding they have a plan in place and they know when they're going to take their life which is a much more serious situation there and they can work behind the scenes to get the right agencies um on board to help facilitate you or the loved one there there's also the text messaging too if you don't want to talk to someone there we found a lot of really good um uh, feedback from individuals just reaching out and texting to the crisis line. For some reason, it's they're less vulnerable mm-hmm. in the text line, and so they can just start talking to someone there. Because, as Kathy pointed out earlier, usually individuals who are suicidal are not thinking rationally; um, they're just not, and they're they're catastrophizing things in their minds and that kind of thing. So they're not going to think clearly through things like someone who is. Um, So you just have to kind of uh, work with them on that and get them to a safe place. And they may not like the fact that you're calling for help, but I'd rather have a, a ticked off family member than a dead family member. Absolutely.
0: Everybody needs to remember this is not our new normal and that there is a difference between the social distance order by the government and social isolation. We don't want people to think, that they need to socially isolate themselves.
1: Correct. Correct. Still, you know, wave to people when you're walking through the grocery store. I was just at Walmart and I'm still smiling at everybody. You know, people are nodding their heads because you can't see their smile through their mask. But, um, yeah, still still be part of life. Uh, again, you said the like the social distancing does not mean social isolation. Isolation, but um, you know, reach out to family and friends that you've not talked to in a while. You know, my mother is in a nursing home, I've not been able to see her for almost two months now. But my siblings and I have a Zoom meeting with her twice a week, Um, it's Mm -hmm. been awesome. Take on something different, do a cooking class, do a Tai Chi classes and stuff that they're doing now online. So find something to learn. The biggest thing that I tell people also when they're starting to feel stressed is color. Color. Mm-hmm. Coloring is not just for little kids. You know, they make a, adult coloring books. I hate putting it that way because it makes <laughs> it sound odd. But I do have one other thing also to add is when
2: you're, when you're at the – one of the things that we do in our house that is really helpful is uh, just look at um, being grateful for the small things. It's amazing how when you start switching your, your mindset to appreciate the, the positive things that have come out of this, it really puts you in a better state of mind, a better feeling and that kind of thing. I'm not saying that you're trying to, to again, uh, overlook some of the severities of the situation and everything, but my goodness, you, you've, if you're healthy and you've got your family around you, appreciate the moment. Um, and, uh, cause that is a true blessing. And, and so by looking at just the small, um, items that we can be grateful for, I think can really do a lot for the cabin fever.
0: So Dr. Rush, what if the family, you know, needs some space, you know, everybody's confined in the home normally. And what if they need some space? What kind of, uh, advice do you have for that? I would
2: say, um, you know, that, that's absolutely normal. That is going to happen in every household. I think the point is to um, facilitate de-escalating the emotions as much as possible. And so what does that look like? That's basically you saying, you know what, recognizing I don't want it to get any more emotionally driven, so I'm, I need a timeout I need to just kind of get away, do the things that Kathy talked about, going on the front porch and uh, taking a walk by yourself, that kind of thing. Uh, and if you really feel like your life is in danger, your children are in danger, then absolutely um, get to a safe place and and make the call um, to the- uh, Call
0: 911. Call
2: 911 and that kind of thing.
1: And absolutely, you bring up a great point, Anne, that even if you, even though we are social isolating right now if you are feeling unsafe your children are unsafe that whole bit go see a neighbor go to the neighbor's house or something like that they're not going to turn you away because you don't have a mask on and you're not six feet away they're going to help so um absolutely do do what needs to be done to keep you safe
2: Mm
0: -hmm. do you guys have a youtube channel um that you wanted to talk about or an episode
1: My organization, uh, Dragonfly Retreats and Veteran Support, we do have a YouTube channel. Um, Actually, it's going to be starting this coming Monday. It's called Living Sane in a Crazy World. Um, And we actually have almost an hour long of just this exact same same thing about cabin fever. Um, We do ones on stress and anxiety. Um, We do anything from mental health issues, relationship issues, just life issues and that kind of thing.
0: Well, Dr. Rush, Dr. Friel, thank you for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Very interesting topic. Thank you. Talk all day. Um, Everybody out there, you know, take take advantage of these resources. We will put those on uh, the platform to where you can get to those. And remember, you're not alone in this thing uh, and this will pass. And I think that's the message for today. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you.
1: Be kind to each other.
0: This podcast was made possible by the Teller County Honorary Deputy Sheriff's Association. The HDSA is a nonprofit organization dedicated to increasing public safety and awareness by providing safety and survivability equipment to deputies, administering community events like Shop with a Hero, and enabling information programs like this podcast.